Good morning. Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It can be found on page 931 in the Pew Bible. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm just curious. Do you know what a dad win is? A dad win. D-A-D-W-I-N, dad win. I had one this week. My wife had an appointment on Tuesday night, so I was responsible for providing my children with a nutritious dinner. So we went to CC's Pizza. Oh, whatever, they have a salad bar. It's cool. Uh, so we finished dinner, and... There's there's this arcade place that they have attached to this particular pizza parlor, and I gave my kids both a one dollar stack of quarters to go in there and and spend. And they went in, and the first three quarters went swiftly. My son picked pretty quickly what he was going to do with his fourth quarter, but my daughter, who is five, just couldn't make her decision. You don't know how much a quarter is worth until you're five years old. You've got one left. And the question before you is, what thing in here is going to bring me the most joy? So Parker decided that the thing that would really make her life better would be a gumball. And there's this gumball machine in there that's twice her height. This giant thing of gumballs. And then inside this little glass case, it's got this rail that the gumball runs around. And then you take it out the bottom. You've probably seen these things. So Parker got in line at the gumball machine. Well, there was a little girl in front of her in the line. And that little girl had tokens, not quarters. So she put her token in the machine and tried to turn it. And the machine wasn't having the token. She tried, she tried, she tried. And then she turned around with this forlorn look on her face. She grabbed her token and started to walk away. Parker smiled at her, stepped right in front of her, put her quarter in, (laughs) turned the gumball thing, the the ball went round and round and round and round. She reached down, she picked it up, she turned around and she handed it to the little girl. And in that moment, I was so proud of my daughter for having that, that giving spirit. But there was a little part of me that thought, Clearly, I'm a fantastic father. (laughs) That's a dad win. And we don't get enough of those, guys. We don't get enough of those dad wins in our lives. Today is Father's Day, and I want to celebrate, unabashedly celebrate the men in our lives for the sacrifices they make, for the love that, that they give to us. And I'm not just talking about biological fathers, because what just happened here through the waters of baptism is that in that moment, uh, Brian, now he's a little bit older, but if Brian were a baby, what I would say very clearly is that in that moment, all the men in this room through the waters of baptism became that man's father. All the women became his mother. In the waters of baptism, we become family. I want to celebrate all the men today. And so we started to think about, okay, how can we celebrate men in a way that they would would enjoy? How can we make this worship service a little bit different that guys would enjoy it? And one of the folks on our worship team said, you know, we've got this, we've got this family in our church. It's kind of a cool story. 
The dad was the head football coach at Colonial Forge High School for a number of years until two years ago he retired. And after a search, they actually, Colonial Forge hired his son to be the next head football coach. And I thought, well, it's, it's football. It's father and son. This is a great idea. We need to have a conversation with these guys. So would you join me in welcoming coaches Bill and John Brown to the stage? Coach, thank you for being here today. Yes, sir. Coach, thank you for being here thank today. You. All right, so Bill and John are both educators. They are both coaches. Bill served as a principal. Uh, they have uh, remarkable careers. They have impacted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of young people's lives through their education, through their coaching. And I want to start off talking about success because you both have had some pretty remarkable success. So you just need to sit there for a minute and let me talk about how successful you have been. So, Bill, you, you've been a coach for 42 years. 38 years you spent as a head football coach in high school. And during that time, over one 10-year span at Hilton High School, over the course of 10 years, you took your teams to five state championships in 10 years. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, along the way, you've been inducted into the Virginia High School League Hall of Fame as a coach. Uh, you've won a couple of state titles. And uh, maybe the most interesting, impressive piece of your football resume is this. Along the way, Bill Brown strung together 39 consecutive wins in a streak. Let me put that in perspective for everybody else. There have been some remarkably good football teams here in Stafford County. No football team in Stafford County has ever won more than 13 consecutive games Bill Brown's team won 39 consecutive games. That's pretty impressive, brother. That's pretty impressive. Uh, along the way, he has also had the opportunity to coach a couple of guys who were destined for the NFL. That must have been very gratifying for you. Yeah, very exciting. And those are the ones that help you win all those games. <laughs> and, uh, and in, in the course of my career in coaching, I've had many, many, many great football players and great kids. But before we do that, you said to all of us, Happy Father's Day, and we all want to say to one of our favorite fathers, Happy Father's Day <laughs> to you. you. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, most recently, uh, we had a young man this year get drafted into the NFL, drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, Gary Jennings, who played for us at Colonial Forge for four years, and Went on to West Virginia and had a great career at West Virginia, and now he's with the Seahawks. I actually ran into his father yesterday over at Lowe's, and we had a chance to talk for a minute. And we talked about how proud we were of him outside of football. And I said to his mother and father, and I've said it before, they, they were wonderful parents, and he was a wonderful father. And they brought this young man up the right way. And he has Twitter feeds, and every time that he sends out a message, he starts it with a Bible verse. And I just think that's that's unique. And um, for us in Stafford County, he's a local boy, does well, 
And he's going to be fun to watch because of his character and his integrity to go along with all that great talent that he has. But he is, you know, a very unique person and one we can be very proud of. I was reading an article about Gary Jennings this week that talked about how uh, when he was in high school here at Colonial Forge, he was at basketball practice and he'd failed a geometry project. Not not the entire semester, just one project, and that his dad came to the school, walked onto the basketball court during practice and took him off to go do some geometry. And I thought, that's a good dad uh, right there. So, gonna... so Coach Bill Brown has had some remarkable success. Coach John Brown has also had some success because while this guy has two state championship rings, you have three. Two of them were with him. So uh, <laughs> I asked him earlier today, I good. said, do you ever wear all three to Thanksgiving dinner just to make a point? He said, no, I don't do that. So that's, that's you. My mom it. helps him remember, believe it or not. She'll <laughs> bring that up from time to time. So uh, you you also have had some some remarkable success, but but it's not just the success on the field. I mean, really, what you guys are doing, you're investing in, in young people's lives, and you have a, a really cool story about a young man whose life uh, was turned around by by playing football for you. Sure, I was at another high school in uh, Prince William County uh, on the eastern side, and uh, um, there's some some places there that are are still a little economically depressed, and uh, he had moved in from. Philadelphia and had strong gang ties and he had kept those gang ties when he moved into uh, eastern Prince William County and um, he didn't want to play football and I really hit the hallways hard there we had a very small uh, population of students that that played any sports and I said you know please come out and play and he said I you know I'm I'm my father's sending me to Randolph Macon Academy up in uh, I believe it's up near Winchester and um, I said, well, he said, I might come back. I said, if you come back, you got to play football. we got to have a deal. He said, if I come back, I'll play. He came back, and I went and found him. And uh, and he said, yeah, I guess I'll play. You know, I'll try it out. And he ended up getting a couple of scholarship offers to uh, some uh, what used to be called 1AA uh, schools. It's FCS now, Towson, uh, Coastal Carolina, Richmond, good schools. He really did a good job with his academics and, and turned his life around. But uh, he chose uh, VMI, he went and visited VMI. And, uh, you know, anybody that knows VMI knows that that's a tough place to go to school. And he uh, went there and visited and said, Coach, if I go to any of these other schools, any of these other great schools, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to get myself into. And uh, VMI won't can't do anything to me that, hasn't already been done. They don't scare me. And he went to VMI, and we went to uh, to his uh, sign his national letter of intent uh, on a snow day, uh, no less. And he and his uh, adoptive father and I were sitting in there with him, and he said, "I'm not joining the military. It's not happening. I'll go to VMI, but I'm not interested in joining the military." He absolutely joined the military uh, <laughs> and uh, is stationed, I believe, right now over in Korea. And we, we keep in touch a little bit and um, uh, just really turned his life around. I, I It didn't have everything to do with me. It had a lot to do with his family, but I, I at least feel like I got to play a part in him, um, you know, his career right. and, and learning. So I mean, that's a wonderful, a wonderful conversation around success and whether it's on the field with the the wins whether it's the state championships whether it's just the impact that you've had on the lives of these young people you you guys have this consistent habit 
of being successful at what you're doing. And it occurs to me that success is, is not just something we happen upon. That success, especially when we do it over a prolonged period of time, success comes from having created a culture that breeds success. So I was just curious, could you tell us a little bit about how you, year in and year out, work to build this culture of success? You know, a lot of people call it a process. Um, and, and that's become famous from uh, Nick Saban down in Alabama. But there are so many colonels and generals and, and first lieutenants and captains and commanders in this uh, congregation. And you think about the processes that they go through. It's, it's really no different. Um, you know, you're talking about things that are, that are going to make your organization, no matter what it is, successful. And we get to start at a young age. We talk a lot about, uh, you know, buying in. And, um, you know, nothing's going to be given to you. You have to, you have to show great effort. Um, we talk a ton about effort. And, uh, um, you know, I think those things, building relationships, and he'll talk more about that, are, are huge. Huge to us, and I think huge to any, any successful organization. It's their quote-unquote process. Yeah. And you talked about the virtue of a positive environment. Well, we do everything from the family relationship. And, you know, we have uh, young men that come from all different walks of lives, and some of them have very supportive and great home-based support from both parents. Some of them have one parent. Some of them don't have either parent in their life. And um, so this is a place they come and they trust us. And we earn that trust. And we build a family relationship. And we genuinely spend a tremendous amount of time together, uh, probably more than they spend with their own parents. And... Um, by building that family relationship and making it a place they want to be a part of, uh, I think is the real key. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard you guys talk about the, 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 shared, the power of a shared belief, a shared goal, and how you instill belief. It, can you just talk about, you, 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 one of you told me in our interview earlier that you said uh, that you're, you're always, your goal is always to win a state championship. Yep, it sure is, and uh, you know, we learned that from him. Um, you know, and setting high a high standard and, uh, and setting, you know, a high goal. Um, we play for the last, we train for the last three weeks of the season to get to those last three weeks and to try to be successful in those last three weeks. And there will be a lot of people <clears throat> that will say, you know, we you got to take it one game of, at a time, and that's true. But, um, you know, just, just getting kids to buy in, uh, to, you know, to what you're trying to accomplish and to, to be consistent in your message of we're training to get to these last three weeks of the season to give ourselves a chance. Yeah. And you talk important. that word consistency you, you all have used a lot, that, that idea that we are preparing consistently well and we are giving effort consistently well. And uh, I think that's, that's remarkable. I just, I just want to point out that as, as I was preparing for this morning with these two guys and they started talking about how they build the culture of success, something that occurred to me was that the way we create a culture of success on a football field is actually the similar way we create a culture of success in anything that we do. We create this positive environment. We help people share a, a common belief in, in one goal. And then we, we work towards the, the consistency of helping people give their, their best efforts. And that just strikes me as a, a really important series of, of leadership lessons. Paul talks about it in, his scripture, in the scripture passage this morning. He says, you need to run this race like you're going to win it. <laughs> and that's, that's important. Well, and, and I think that... Uh... To say you want to run this 
race like you want to win it means you're going to have to put a lot into it. You're going to have to have an effort. It's just not going to happen because you would like for it to happen. And, you know, we have a motto in our program. We have T-shirts we give out to our players. And it says, no excuses, no explanations. And there's a lot of times in practice I just pointed to T-shirt. I said, yeah, I, you know, just, and, and, I, and I think the same thing that Paul is saying that God says, I don't think God wants a lot of excuses and explanations about why we're not, we're failing as Christians or not living our life the way it was intended to be. So I think it's a good lesson for all of us to, you know, not make excuses. It's so easy to do. And um, so we stress that, and I think that helps us stay focused. So we talked about your personal successes uh, kind of on off, off the field. We talked about how you guys create a culture of success. I want to do a, a 180 and talk about the other side uh, because success is fun, but there's no greater teacher in our lives most often than than failure. And you uh, experienced, you know, failure at a at a at a high level because, I mean, it takes a lot of energy to get to some championship games. But how many, you, lo- you guys lost three before you won your first one, right? Correct. Um, you know, in a lot of things we do in life, we, we have to look at it as a body of work. I mean, where you have grown to be as a pastor, the body of work that you have put into it, and everything that, it is, that it makes you as talented and as successful as you are, we have to put in a great body of work. So when you get to that culminating event, and it doesn't go your way. It's not that you lost a game that was so important. It's just that everything that you put into it, this whole year-round process and all the hard work, and it doesn't go your way. It's a hard pill to swallow. And we had lost three in a row, and two of them by one point. And it was, you know, I was being compared to... Marv Levy and Bud Grant and different coaches that had gotten to the Super Bowls but didn't win them, who were very great coaches. I'm okay with being compared to those guys. <laughs> but uh, my daughter, we were going into the fourth state championship game, and my daughter was in the parking lot. My wife told me after the game, uh, tears in her eyes because she was scared her father was going to lose his fourth state championship in a row. <laughs> And what were they going to say about his, her dad? And uh, so, you know, we, we found out this. Winning would not feel so good if losing didn't feel so bad. And, uh, you know, it, it's a good motivator. And then I had another coach tell me one time, he said, when you win that one, then you'll win more. And the good thing about winning more than one is people lose count. So <laughs> they'll come up to me and say, gosh, you've won five or six state championships. I say, I really can't remember. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, if you win one, more than one, it, it, it really has some positive effects. I love that. You don't know how good winning feels until you know, know how bad losing hurts. That's good. Uh, so, but failure is a good teacher. John, you, I mean, you're not immune to failure. You're in your second tenure as a head coach. Your first tenure head coach was at a high school with a, a brand new pro. They had some, they had some challenges you faced there. We were, 
we were a brand new high school, like I said, and it's going to come, uh, you know, it's going to sound like we're making excuses and explanations right now. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was a tough, it was, I wasn't, uh, prepared enough. I wasn't, don't feel like I was old enough and had enough experience at this time, uh, you know, looking back on it to, to have led that program successfully at the beginning. They needed somebody probably, you know, with a lot more experience than I did. I put a lot into it, uh, but, um, you know, just had a lot of obstacles to overcome. And, uh, you know, you go through the whole thing of, am I good enough to, to do this? And you second guess, you know, I second guess myself quite a bit to where when I was going to accept the job at Colonial Forge, we, we had a talk and I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. Um, it takes a lot of, uh, out on your family. You know, my wife and uh, son and my mom, uh, you know, we all, they go to the games and support us. And I don't want to say live and die by whether we win or lose, but it's, you know, they, like he said, they see the amount of time that we put into it. Um, so it's not easy and, and there is obstacles and you, you're going to trip and fall and it's how you, it's how you learn from those mistakes that will propel you forward. When you need that experience the most, it'll come back. Yeah. The- I, failure just it's it's such a good teacher the it's hard to do it's hard <laughs> right but it's not fun uh so i, I want to pivot for just a second here because uh there was something i thought that was really interesting and i i, I read a book recently that talked about leadership that was that said that that if you're if you want if you're willing to be a leader uh you need to understand that leadership is going to be lonely sometimes and it's going to be vulnerable sometimes and I think sometimes the reason people don't answer God's call in their lives to lead is because we know that there are going to be people who take shots at us when we do this. And maybe nobody ever knows that experience of getting having the, the, the stones thrown at them the way coaches do. You, show, you shared a quote from Greg Schiano I thought was really great. Greg, Greg Schiano was, uh, was the coach at Rutgers when they, were in their, uh, when they were in their renaissance, if you will, when they got really good and he ended up being an NFL coach. But he said, uh, every American man can work the grill and coach football. So, uh, we realize that comes with territory, uh, when, you know, when you sign up to be a coach, that's for sure. But, but criticism is definitely something that you, you have to deal with when, um, when you're in a position of, of, of leadership. And, and it can be hard, uh, to deal with that. You know, we, you and I shared a conversation about, uh, the, the great Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena and how it's not the critic accounts, but it's the, it's the one who's actually in there. So can you just, can you kind of talk me through some of the steps that you have in, in your life that help you deal with criticism? Sometimes it's unfair. Sometimes maybe it's fair, whatever. Well, I, you know, Rob, honestly, the very first thing I do is point to our offensive coordinator when things <laughs> aren't going well. And he's sitting right back there. It's Ryan Matrizic. He does a great job and he's got on a CF shirt to make it easy. So whenever something's not going right, everything I draw up on paper is a touchdown. I'm going to be honest with you. When there's criticism and you have people like Ryan, we stick together. You've got my father and uh, we have a great staff around us. Um, and, uh, you know, you you talked about uh, a few weeks ago about... Uh, uh, if you are a, a good tree, you don't bear bad fruit. And if you're a, a bad tree, you'll never bear good fruit. Um, and it's that confidence, that the confidence that you rely on your foundation. And my foundation is my Christian belief. And I know that if I go through those 
Christian values, when I'm trying to make a decision or when somebody's criticizing me, if I know that I've done it the right way, that I've tried to, to, to keep the kids' best interest in mind and my program's best interest in mind, that people are going to criticize. Whether they're standing up on the, the top of the bleachers, second-guessing everything we do, or if a parent has a concern, you know, that I need to listen to and, and try to work with a parent to figure out what's right and what's wrong, uh, that I'll do that. But it's, it really truthfully is, uh, you know, the lessons learned from my father and uh, from my family, my mother, uh, and, and my Christian belief and relying on the, on the uh, Bible uh, that will help me to, to fight off that criticism and not worry so much about it. So if you're putting your best fourth effort, what I've heard you say is you're listening to the people if they've got concerns. That's part of it. I hear you say you're staying, you're staying deeply rooted in your faith. That's, that's incredibly important. And you, Bill, you talked about the importance of having other people who know what it's like. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of coaches that I have come across in my career and guys that uh, have been in it for a long time, just like I had. And some of the struggles they've had and some of the successes they've had and being able to share with them what your challenges have been and, and learning from each other. And, you know, you, you grow a great respect for the, your opponent. Mm. And uh, you know on game night that he's on the other side doing everything he can to beat you, but you're doing the very same <laughs> thing on your side. And then after the game, being able to shake hands and look each other in the eye and, you know, leave there as friends right. and have that respect. And I've had a lot of great relationships with guys that uh, – that coach and I value that very much. So the 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 listening, the the uh, the the staying in the word, the, that spiritual piece that, that you talked about, and then the third one that you talked about just now was uh, the. Uh, let's go on to the next two slides here, guys. Uh, and then developing relationships with people who understand. The only reason I'm trying to stick to that is because I put bullet notes in your bulletins if you're taking notes. So I want to make sure you know what to put uh, with the bulletins. So. Um, I just want to turn for final final minute of our conversation here to the fact that uh, it must be a really gratifying feeling. You've had all this success as a coach. But I imagine one of the greatest successes that you have from your professional and the way that it merged to your personal life is that your son is following in your footsteps. That's got to be a really a really cool feeling. It is. It is pretty uh, gratifying. Um, I, it, your son might be a pastor. Really? <laughs> I'm hoping he'll be take after his mama and be a doctor. I was going to say, then he, he might be a doctor. Right. So, uh, but, you know, as I watched John grow as a coach and uh, do the things, I, I worried right after I turned the job over. After I, I retired and they gave John the head football coach, and I asked John if I could coach with him because... I didn't want to stop because I, I just love coaching kids and being involved. But um, I worried a little bit that when things got tough, that kids would come to me instead of, instead of going to him as the, the head coach. And, uh, boy, I, I have to say, guys, do you remember me? Would you, you know, do, do, I was the guy. Can, can somebody ask me something? So, you know, just to see him just take it over and 
when they win the kids over to him. That's neat to see. So, but here, here's this thing. So we have a lot of high functioning people around uh, our community, and I imagine that there are times that the kids in our lives, our children, we, when they have really high functioning parents, worry about measuring up to them. You have you're following the footsteps of a, of a father who was incredibly successful in your own field. By the way, I know what it's like to follow a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Uh, it happened right here at Ebenezer Church, uh, and it's 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 beautiful. But there's there's some expectation. How, how's the how's that going? Well, it's, I think it goes back to the same things, like I said earlier, that, that he taught my brother and sister and I, is to give your best effort. And we, we talk about effort quite a bit, and to do your best. Um, and if, if I'm out there doing my best, if I'm preparing, if I'm sitting with Ryan Matrizic, you know, on a Sunday after church, and we're getting ready for the game, um, and we're, we're giving our best effort, uh, then what, what really can anybody say? Yeah. We may fall short. We might not win a game. We're a couple. Um, but you can't worry about what other people are going to say and the, and the pressure that comes with it uh, to win if, I, if you're given your best effort. I think that, um, you know, that, that carries a lot of weight. And I'm not so concerned about it anymore, to be honest with you. I, I want to make him proud. I want to make my school community and... And the people in Stafford County proud, and if I can do that, and I keep that in mind, I think we'll be all right. All right, so stay there for just a second. Uh, so, in order to celebrate the fact that we appreciate you guys taking the time out of your Father's Day to be here with us, we got you some presents. The first presents are these these cups. You get to keep them uh, for two reasons. One, they have footballs on them. Your football coaches, we thought that made sense, but also now you, you drank out of them. Probably nobody else wanted. <laughs> so that's part of it. And then the other thing was uh, we decided we were going to try and find, um, I researched, what is the best whistle in the world? And it turns out it's the Fox 40 whistle. So we've got both of you guys, one of the best whistles in the world. You will need that, I'm confident, in upcoming seasons. But that's not all. I grew up in the 90s with coaches, and I feel like we've lost some of the vim and vigor of back then, and I feel like one of the things that helped bring the intensity was my coaches wore really short shorts. I thought that might be... <laughs> so we got you guys some... Sh- they wore short white shorts and long white socks. So, uh, congratulations, my. I don't know, man. <laughs> don't... We'll see you on Friday nights. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out, I guess, won't we? Would you join me in thanking these two great guys for being up here with us today? God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Go ahead and invite the band to come on up and start getting ready. I just want to end the Father's Day sermon by saying this. Not every one of us had a a biological father that hit it out of the park. Some of us were really fortunate. I was really fortunate with my dad. Not everybody was, but here's the truth. We all have a Heavenly Father. A Heavenly Father who loves us desperately. Who gave us a place to belong here in His holy church. And who gave us a purpose. And I want to thank both Coaches Brown for for sharing a little bit about their purpose with us today. And just to say to all the guys in the room, God bless you. I know life is not always easy. Being a dad is not always easy, but we're proud of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This is one gift we have for our dads today. I'm going to talk about the other one right before the benediction. Uh, but would you take a moment and pray with me?
Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the fathers, for the men in our lives, those who have loved us and cared for us. But we thank you most of all that you are our Abba, our Dad, that you are the one who loves us perfectly. You're the one who gives us a place to belong. You are the one who gives us purpose in this world. Thank you, holy God, for the gifts that you have given to us, for the example you have left for us, and for the way you teach us over and over and over again that we are loved beyond doubt. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus and always for the sake of his kingdom. Amen.